Hebrews 11, 7 says, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered up Isaac as a sacrifice. Now, this wasn't Abraham's first time God had tested his faith. He had tested his faith before, like when God told him to go possess the land. God didn't tell him specifically where to go, but to just go. And he told him that everywhere your feet touch, Abraham, I'll give it to you. And he did. And when his, when his faith was tested, he passed it with flying colors. But this test, now that Abraham is facing, in my mind, would be the ultimate test. I feel it would be for any human being, any father who had a heart for his children, to be willing to sacrifice your child to prove your faith, to prove your obedience to God. If God had spoke that to me, that would be when me and God would be really begin to wrestle. And probably you too, if you'd be honest this morning. I would say a test of your faith to this degree would be the ultimate test. And it would take great faith to pass this test. We, know, we all know people on different levels of faith. Faith in God, though, is a powerful thing. We know that even if we have faith just the side of a mustard seed, we can say to that mountain, be thou removed according to the word of God. Faith in God, church, is some powerful stuff. But I don't think we know anyone with any greater faith than Abraham. To appropriate faith is to be faithful, is to be full of faith. Abraham was faithful to God, and God was faithful to Abraham. Faithfulness is a true way street, and God has given to every man a measure of faith. But God wants our faith to increase in him. He's the builder of our faith. It was the apostles who asked Jesus to increase their faith. Why? Because they found the more you know him, the more you trust him, the stronger your faith becomes in him. God will test your faith for the purpose of increasing your faith. I've always said that storms make good sailors. Trials and tests, like them or not, make our faith grow. You can't have a testimony. What? If you never have a test. And larger the test, greater the struggle it is to believe. But larger the test, greater the victory and stronger your belief becomes. The greater the test, the greater the faith has to be to pass this test. So here is Abraham. He hears God's voice say, go take your son to the mountain and offer him up as a sacrifice to me. This was going to be a major test Abraham would have to pass. But little did Abraham know that this was only a test. God didn't forewarn him. It was just a test. As far as Abraham knew, this was a real challenge and a command that he was facing. He was standing at a place many of us are standing at in our lives today. He was at a crossroads. And crossroads are places in your life you come to to where you have to make a decision. Where do you want to go or what you're going to do? It's also known as being in the valley of decision. It's where God is asking more of us than ever. Not necessarily always for us to do more, but for us to trust him more than we ever have. And when God is requiring dedication and loyalty like never before, our world is at a crossroads, and God is asking the church to be more dedicated and loyal than we've ever been before, church. He's purging his church. He's strengthening this body so that no matter what may come our way, we will survive. He's building an elite group. Uh, special forces, as a military analogy, he's separating the sheep from the goats. He's saying it's time to wrap things up. Time out is over. You're either for me or you're against me. You've got to make a decision. And if you're for me, he says, serve me by serving others. It's time to quit wanting to be served and begin to serve 
Faith without works is dead. And God is requiring us to make the right decision, to take the road that leads us back to him. And he's saying to us, get off the road that's taking you farther away from him. See, Abraham had faced many crossroads, and many times he had to decide, do I stay on the road God placed me on, or is it time for me to take a turn and go my own way, such as the test God set before him? He had to decide to keep following his faith or say, nope, that's far enough. I'll just have to fail this one, which would mean his faith would become limited. And then from that point on, how far he would trust God would have its limits. I can remember being in school, and y'all remember this too, having to do book reports, written book reports. That was one thing to me. But when it came to you had to do oral reports, when you had to get up in front of the class and give your book report, being required of me, if I had to get up in front of the class and speak, I would just say, just put an F down by my name. You know, that just amazes me today that I can do this. And I can only do this because of my faith in him. Because I do not want to fail him in doing what God has required of me to do. Amen? Hallelujah. Many times, the enemy tries to deter, deter us, to persuade us to take another path, and usually the wrong path. But yet, many times, God sets up roadblocks to keep us from taking the wrong path. And many times, we choose a different path, a wrong path, simply because the road we're on has obstacles to climb, or it gets bumpy, it's not a smooth ride, or it gets to be challenging. It gets us out of our comfort zone. So we look for the easy roads, the roads with the least resistance, the shortcuts, the one without hills to climb and curves to bear. Those that often seem easier too often lead to destruction. Listen to this. And it would have been better to stay on the road that was under construction. In Genesis 12, 1 through 5, Abraham's faith was tested. God told Abraham to leave his home where he had everything. The livestock, he had food, he had land, told him to walk away from it all and follow him. And the Bible says that Abraham did, that he left not knowing where he was going, just walking by faith. Then another test came. When Abraham's father died, God told him, bury him here and move on, and he did. He faced another test. When he's told to separate from his nephew Lot to keep peace with his family, he decided to settle the quarrel by giving Lot the good land and he'd take the bad land. Abraham passed all these tests by faith because he had faith. These were not only tests, but they were also what we call trials. Trials are what produces the testing of our faith. He had another testing of his faith. When God told Abraham to put the bondwoman out, Hagar, who he had slept with and had a child with, God told Abraham, put her and his child out and never see them again, and he did. And even after all these things, he endured these hard trials. He had yet to receive the blessings God promised him. God had given him great promises. Great prophecies were spoken over his life. In this room, there are people who have prophecies over their lives, yet you've not seen them come to pass. And you've been through so many things in your walk with God, trials and tests. You've had to endure, and you're still serving God. Test after test. How do I know that? Because I've heard testimony after a testimony. Remember, you can't have a testimony without having a test. If you went through something and you come out of it and you're still serving and you're still praising God, you passed the test. Not only did you pass, but your faith increased because of the test and the trial that you went through. 
The trial that tested your faith caused you to grow. Often God allows adversity to test our faith. There are great promises in this room over every single one of you this morning. You know deep down inside what God has told you and promised you. And the results of the test, how we responded to the trial, reveals to us the strength of or lack of faith to us. Abraham had been through so much, now he's at another crossroads. And the faith that God had already built in him was going to be necessary for him to face this decision. All the things he had been through and come out of by trusting God had prepared him for this monumental test. For us to face what we are facing now, our faith is going to have to grow. And what God has brought us through thus far is going to have to be used by faith to believe if he brought us that f- this far, he can take us that far. Amen? See, Abraham had to come to a place by faith to believe that God is righteous and he's holy, that his ways are above our ways. That whatever God asked him to do, he had to be willing to trust God and his plan for his life. He couldn't put limits on God. There are limits to man's abilities, but not to God's ability. Nothing is impossible with or for God. You are limited, by, but with God, your inabilities become promises. You'll never know what God can do for you until you let him work through you. Abraham's faith had grown by his circumstances he faced. He overcame them all by trusting God. Is your faith being challenged like never before? Is God asking more of you than ever before? Why do you trust him this far, but you can't trust him the next step? That somehow this is too big for God because it's too big for you. Too much is given, much is required. I ask you, are you stepping up or are you stepping out? Are you going through or are you just going to go around? Are you choosing the path of least resistance? You know, as the song says, he never promised that the cross would not get heavy or the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered a victory without fighting, but he did say help would always come in time. Hallelujah. In this passage, this was the ultimate test of his faith. He would have to pass. Pass it by faith. He didn't know. He didn't know this was the breaking point. This is where his faith would graduate with honors. So many people have been so close to the end of your trial, on the brink of a breakthrough, and gave up just a moment too soon. Failed. It was too hard. Or it lasted too long. Or you gave up too soon. They were in this thing when it was easy, but when it got too hard for them, that was the problem. When it got too hard for them. God wasn't wanting them to do it. He was wanting them to trust him to do it. I ask you this morning, is there anything too hard for our God? See, it's God's desire to show himself strong on our behalf. Do you understand that God desires to show up and do what you can't? So he can get the glory and your faith will increase in him. You trust him this far, but you can't trust him this far. You limited him, yet he knows no limits. There are no boundaries. There's nothing too big for him, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. By faith, Abraham did it. He could only view this as another opportunity to prove his faith to the God that he served. How many of you ever view when you're going through a trial as an opportunity for you to prove the faith that you have in God? Believe this trial is going to be a faith builder. 
I remember being in the grocery business, and, you know, the old supervisor would always come by, and you'd always have problems in the grocery business like you do any, any business. And I would begin to complain and tell him of all my problems, and he'd always look at me and say, Randy, these aren't problems. These are just opportunities for you to fix something. See, Abraham knew, I, knew this was the greatest test yet. In Genesis 22, 1 through 12, God said, Abraham, I know you've been through some things. You've been through some valleys of heartbreaks, and you've had tears. You have fought, and you've struggled, and yet you never gave up. But Abraham, if you get through this test, I swear I'm going to bless you. That's a word for someone today. He says, if you get through this thing that's only a test, church, I swear I'm going to bless you. He told Abraham, I'll bless you. I'll multiply you beyond measure. I told you to leave your home, and you did. I told you to separate from Lot, and you did. And now the test of all tests. Abraham, if you can come through this test, I know I'm speaking to some people who are going through the big one. You've never been through nothing like this before, nothing ever this hard before. You've never been through so many things all at once in all of your life, one thing after another, test after test, and bigger and bigger have they grown. You feel like you've gone out of the frying pan into the fire. But I say to you, just remember, when you're standing in the valley of decision and your adversary says, just give in, just hold on because my God will show up and he'll take you through the fire again. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. Hallelujah. You were promised blessing. You were prophesied over. But now you're facing the greatest test of your life. Some call it a trial, but it could just be a test. You're here and you know it. I know it. And God knows it. God has set you up so he could pour this word over your life this morning. I heard the Lord say to me, tell him, if you pass this test, if you don't cower down, if you don't check out, if you don't take the shortcut or cave in, but instead you stand upon his word, he says, I swear I'm going to bless you. If you'll speak faith like Job did, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Come on, somebody. When this test is over, when this trial is finished, Paul said it like this about his trials and his tests. And this too shall pass. I dare somebody this morning to claim that God's talking to me. Hallelujah. Maybe you've been shamed. Maybe you've been mocked. Maybe you've been wounded or offended or belittled, rejected or afflicted. But you're not destroyed. Maybe you're on the road that there has been some construction necessary to build your faith. But it's better than being on the road that leads to destruction. You may have been persecuted, but you're not abandoned. You may be cast down, but you're not destroyed. I know there's a lot of us going through a lot of things, and some people feel like they're the only one going through something. So would you, as a testimony to everybody else's place, if you say, I've been going through some struggles, I've been through struggles, would you stand to your feet this morning and give God the loudest praise you can give him this morning? See, it ain't just you. It ain't just you. It ain't just you. We all face our trials and our tests, every single one of us. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. If you keep your heart right, your spirit right, your love right, your attitude right, your faith intact, you will pass the test too. Now, I've heard this preached many ways. One version goes like, oh, pitiful Abe. Drug ice up that hill sobbing. But that's not what my Bible said. 
It says he woke up early. In other words, he was anxious. To him, this was the day that the Lord had made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm ready to face this day and my burdens. Today is the day I got to pass the test. Today is the day I get to prove my faith to God that no matter what I go through today, I will trust you, and I can only do that by faith. I know every time I took a test, I couldn't sleep sometimes. seemed every test just got harder and harder, but my test was nothing in comparison to this test. He felt, though, it was an opportunity to obey God. He knew I'm going through this thing for a reason. I don't understand it. I just understand that my God's righteous in all of his ways. And after I go through this, there is a reason. <laughs> I love Sister McWilliams. Many of you know her. She showed me such a great example of faith. She always looked at any opportunity she had as an occasion to prove her faith to God. Anytime she'd find herself, one time I won't forget, she was going to go into the hospital for surgery. She goes, I don't know why I'm really having this surgery. I know it ain't just about the surgery. I don't know what God's got planned when I get to that hospital, but I know he's got something bigger planned than me just having a surgery. And then I seen her after the surgery over a few days. She goes, guess what happened? They put a lady in my room, and I led her to the Lord. She always believed it was an opportunity to prove her faith in God no matter what she went through. Hallelujah. Abraham just knew. If he was faithful to God, God would be faithful to him. This makes no sense, but I know my obedience will be counted greater than my sacrifice, he knew. When I passed this test, he knew I'm going to be stronger than I've ever been. Everybody I've ever seen as a believer who goes through a trial and passes a test, they always come out stronger than they've ever been. I can imagine him getting up that morning and saying, all right, God, I got, I got out of Ur. I left Lot, I sent Ishmael away, now I'm loading up my boy, and here I come to worship you. Hallelujah. James 1, 1 says, James says, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. That means various trials. I believe Abraham viewed this day as an opportunity to prove his faith in God. You know, it should not be a sorrowful thing to be a Christian. It should not be a gloom and doom thing to be spirit-filled and in the will of God. It shouldn't be about giving in and giving up because we're going to go through some things. It just means God's hand is on you, and he's testing you for the next level of blessing. Greater the battle, greater the victory. Do you get more joy out of whipping a scrawny runt or a nine-foot giant? Is there a David in the house this morning that can testify for me? Say to your giant, you come to me with a sword and a shield, but, oh, devil, I come to you in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. See, oh, God, God told Abraham, take your son up and offer him to me. Now, there had to be more to this story than just him proving he loved the giver more than the gift that God had given him. According to history, that in that day it was common it was an everyday occurrence in the heathen religion of that day to offer up their firstborn sons as a sacrifice to their idol gods. Child sacrifice was common. It was abominable, but common to their culture among the idol worshipers. They did it daily. Look it up. Study it. You will be appalled, but we better wake up, America. That practice is coming back. They did it without a hesitancy. It was a practice. It was a normal practice for the heathens, for their idol gods. It's hard to imagine they could be so loyal to the tradition of idolatry 
committed to their evil gods, to think that they could take their firstborn, throw them into a fire as a sacrifice, simply to please a stone statue they called God. Yet we can have such a struggle being dedicated and loyal to a living God who became a living sacrifice so we wouldn't have to be sacrificed. So many have such a struggle being faithful to a living God. Many can't be dedicated to prayer, faithful to attending church, dedicated to ministry. Yet the heathen believed in a false God enough to be dedicated and faithful enough to throw their firstborn son into a fire. The radical Muslims believe in Muhammad enough to offer their lives as martyrs for a false God. Jehovah's Witnesses believe in their religion and beliefs enough to commit their lives to a cultic religion. Yet too often we as Christians have such a struggle when we're required to be committed and dedicated and faithful to the one and only true living God who wrapped himself in flesh and left the splendor of heaven to come and make the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was humiliated. He was nailed to an old rugged cross when it should have been me and it should have been you suffering till his death to save us from hell's furnace. This is truth. Yes, too often we're so passive in our beliefs and faith. We're less dedicated than a heathen who believe in a false God. God, help us, and God, please forgive us. We are in the last days, and God is going to require more than he ever has from his believers. So get ready, church. I'm telling you, get ready for the test of your life. You get ready for the greatest, though, blessing of your life to follow. If you go through this trial and you pass this test, the last day outpouring is going to be for those who pass the test. Those who have faith in their trials. God's fixing to separate the sheep from the goat, the phony from the prophetic, the casual from the committed, and the cursed from the blessed. For the judgment begins in the house of God. It's not a time to be coming here to play church. It's time to be the church and for the church to exercise our faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Too often we think we're building the church. No, God's building his church. And I'd rather be on a road full of construction, passing through faith-building trials, than on an easy road that leads to destruction. God is set in the heavens, and he's watched, and he's watched as heathens sacrifice their firstborn sons to their gods of wood and stone, gods that could not speak, gods who could not heal, gods who could never deliver, them, never deliver them or even love them, gods who could not even save them. Yet the heathens loved their gods so much, they were willing to throw their firstborn sons into a fire and proudly watch them burn. So God says, I sit and watch the heathens sacrifice their children to a God who's dead, who gives nothing back to them, yet they have the utmost devotion to their idol gods. So God says, Abraham... Would you do for me what the heathen do for their fake gods? Will you prove your justice faithful to your God who is alive as they are to the God that is dead? This was Abraham's greatest test, the test of his faith. And God wanted to see if Abraham was willing to be loyal, as loyal to him as the heathens were to their gods. How many know that our God is a jealous God? He wanted to see if Abraham was totally sold out to him. Would he, as a man of God, have as much passion for him as the heathen had for their God? It, it grieves God 
to see the heathen more committed, faithful, and devoted to a false god, to idolatry. And church, he still feels the same way today. Too often, we're more committed to things of this world that can give us nothing in return other than temporary pleasure than we are to a God who can save us and give us eternal life. Come on, somebody. God help us. How can we allow our hearts to get so cold towards a loving God? Too many have become afflicted with the cancer of cold-heartedness. The hearts of many have come to wax cold. We have to be begged to read our Bibles, begged to come to church, begged to come to an altar. When you have to be begged and prodded to raise your hands, to lift up your voice and praise God, when this happens to you, your heart is turned cold towards God. You never see men and women have to be begged and prodded to lift their hands and shout at a ball game. They don't have to be led to respond. No one has to turn around and cheerlead them, cheerlead the crowd around them in Bush Stadium. Come on, guys, let's hear it. Carpenter, he just hit a home run. No, automatically, there is an eruption of 50,000 people standing and cheering. You never hear it at a concert either. Would you please stand to your feet and give a big applause to Garth Brooks? No, actually, they never sat down and stopped screaming from the time he started singing. And they shout and they jump for 90 minutes. And when we go longer in worship than 20 minutes, 75% of us are already sitting down. The Bible says in the last days, but people will wax cold, become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, love creation more than the creator. God's seen it coming. But let me ask you today, where are the God lovers? If you're here today, stand to your feet and shout to the heavens and tell him you still love him. Tell him there's still a God lovers in Popper Bluff, Missouri this morning. We still love you, God. We still worship you. We still praise you, oh God. Hallelujah. We commit our lives to you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Ha, he's worthy of the praise. Ha, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> Woo. Ha, woo. Oh, my. Boy, some people just don't like truth, but boy, it'll set you free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time we begin to show our God that we love him just as much as the heathen love their idol gods. We got to come to a place where we're not going to let them outdo us, where we're more committed to our God than they are to their gods, where we worship our gods more than they do their gods, where we serve our gods more than they serve their gods, where we spend more time with our God than they do with their gods, where we give more to our God than they give to their gods, enjoy our salvation more than they do their sin. we got to give all that we've got to him. Hallelujah. Woo. Man. Whew. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> Remember when the woman broke the alabaster box of expensive oil? And she poured it on Jesus' feet as an act of worship. She gave all she had, and she was happy to do it. But the religious leaders began to holler, that's going too far. But you see, when you really love him, you will give him all you got because he gave you all that he had. Amen? Isn't it amazing how an alcoholic will sell his furniture if he has to to get another drink? Will let his kids go hungry to buy another drink? He'll sacrifice everything he's got for it, if, even if it's his family. It's the same way for a drug addict. Still, if he has to, spend all day searching for her next fix. Yet we're so passive about our God. 
who is from the rising of the sun to the going down the same, worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. If we'd show our God the love and passion the heathen show their gods, we would turn this world upside down. Hallelujah. You know, I believe sinners should never enjoy their sin more than Christians should enjoy their salvation. Hallelujah. Sinners are having a blast that won't last. While Christians can't be happy about what they have that will last and last. I came to a conclusion February 24, 1997, when I knelt down by my bed and gave my heart and life to the Lord. I remember I said these words to the Lord that night. Lord, when I was a sinner, I did it well. And now that I'm a Christian, I want to do it well. And then I rephrased. I said, no, Lord, no, Lord, no, no, no. No matter of fact, I want to be even better at being a Christian than I was a sinner. I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to give all I've got. I believe in being committed to what I believe in. If before I was a Christian, I could go to work all day and go to the clubs all night, I believed I can work all day and go to church at night. If we love God, we ought to want to come to church every time the doors are open. When I was a sinner, I wanted to go to a party every time someone threw one. I'm going to tell you something. Sinners don't do this. Well, it's Friday. There's a huge party at the Joneses. Probably going to be 100 people there, but I really don't feel like going. Shoot, no. It's like Monday, and you can't wait till Friday. And Friday gets here, and you're at work all day looking at the clock. Got three more hours. I got two more hours. I got one more hour. I'm out of here. You rush home, take your shower. You want to be on time, and you don't want to miss nothing. But yet we got Christians on Saturday. Oh, man, tomorrow's Sunday. Man, I really don't want to get up. Man, I never get a day just to sleep in. It's supposed to be 90 degrees. Oh, man, the boat races are today. And we wrestle and we dread coming to church. And if we do, we sit begrudgingly. And we can't wait to hear the preacher say, will you stand? Many don't even wait for the altar call to finish. When he says stand, they hit the doors. But when the sinners, I better stop right there. We got to do better, church. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice. But like David, he said, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so tired of dead, dry religions. All them things you're loving and being committed to more than your God aren't going to matter when you get a bad report, when you're lying on your deathbed. What do the prophet the Gain the whole world only to lose your soul. Enough about commitment. Let's get back to faith. Abraham gets up early, not balking, not wavering, steadfast and determined to prove his heart is dedicated to God. He takes Isaac, says, come on, son, let's go. Takes off up that mountain, lays the wood down, ties Isaac up, draws his knife. He has the faith, and he's passing the test, and God says, stop. God says, now I know God was pleased to finally find someone who loved him as much as the heathens loved their idol gods. Someone who would offer up a sacrifice of praise. Someone who was willing to give all they have to prove they loved him more than anything. Someone wanting to worship me. Someone who's obedient to his word. Someone who wants to serve him at all costs. Someone who loves me more than anything else in life. And Abraham 
because you passed the test, I swear I'm going to bless you. And God is saying, I'm still looking for some more who will show me you love me more than the heathens love their idol gods. And God is saying, I'm testing a lot of you. And if you'll pass this test, if you'll put me first regardless of your trials, if you'll trust me and be obedient to me, if you'll praise me and you'll worship me, if you'll endure your afflictions as a good soldier, then you too will pass a test that will cause your faith to grow, and I swear I'm going to bless you. I'm going to open up the windows of heaven, and I'm going to pour you out a blessing. Hallelujah. Everything Abraham had been through, all the previous trials, had prepared him for this test that he passed with flying colors. Abraham loved God with all his heart. There was nothing he wouldn't do to prove his love to God. Abraham had the faith to trust God even with his son. I'd seen something, though, really important in verse 5. Abraham's faith speaks volumes about his test. Although he didn't totally understand it, it was the greatest test of his faith. He believed by faith whatever God was up to was for a purpose. He'd done been through so many things with God and learned that God always had a purpose for the trials. He was not only obedient and maybe didn't understand anything, but he believed regardless of what he was doing, somehow God was going to bring them both through this. Remember, his son said to him, Dad, I got the wood and you got the fire, but where is the sacrifice? Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. Let's remember what he said in verse 5. By faith he said... He told the men before he went up the hill, he said, you men wait here. Me and Isaac will go worship. And we, we, he didn't say I, he said, and we will be back. You got to see that. He not only walked by faith, he was speaking by faith. How many know the just are to live by faith? You got to notice he said we. If you were going to sacrifice your son, you would probably say, I'll be back unless you had faith. Now, he believed God was going to bring them through it somehow, some way, but he knew he had to go through it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Bingo had to go through the fire, the test. Then God showed up. Daniel had to go through the lion's den. Then God showed up. Abraham had to draw the knife. Then God showed up. If we'll go through our trials and tests, worshiping, praising, and obeying God's word, church, I'm here to tell you, he will show up. But if we do it with murmuring and complaining and doubting, we fail the test. And we'll end up failing a God who has never failed us yet. <sighs> and God is saying, you're going through a testing of your faith. And if you pass the test, God says, I swear I'm going to bless you. In verses 15 through 18, listen to the words he told Abraham. He told Abraham, because you passed the test by faith, I swear I'm going to bless you. And he did bless Abraham like he promised. But how did he pass the test? There's something in Scripture I want you to get a hold of today. He told the men who were with him, stay here with the donkey while me and my son go worship. He called it worship. While he was going through the greatest trial of his life, the greatest testing of his faith, he worshiped. He considered the sacrifice worship. And how you're going to pass your test is when you find yourself going through the greatest testing of your faith, but you still offer a sacrifice of worship. 
You still tell him you love him. You still come to church. You still serve him. Your faith speaks to God that you trust him, that you love him more than the heathens love their gods. Your praise, you praise him more than the heathens praise their God. You worship him more than the heathens worship God. You give more to him than the heathens do. You spend more time with him than the heathens do with their God. We are facing some of the greatest trials of our lives. And our faith is being tested greater than it ever has been. And many have found their faith wasn't as strong as they thought. But as they go through these trials, they see their faith beginning to grow again. And you won't get through these times without faith in God, church. The trials, the trial brings the test. And your faith is the answer to passing the test. Israel faced the greatest trial of their lives. When they'd been in Egyptian bondage for 400 years, they cried out to God for deliverer. And God sent Moses to Pharaoh to tell him to let my people go. Most of you know the story. And after many battles with Pharaoh, he finally conceded to let them go. Well, they ex exit Egypt into the desert, a desert, a wilderness that tested their faith. And day in and day out, they faced the heat of the desert, the barrenness of the desert. And by faith, they had to truly trust God that he would see them through this journey. And because of their faith, God fed them, provided manna for them, provided water, sained them in the desert. And many found out through the desert their faith was weaker than what they had thought. They had faced many trials throughout this journey. Oftentimes, many would murmur and complain, become fearful. Many were even willing to go back into bondage than to trust God in their desert times. Only for their opposition to pursue them again. Pharaoh and his army came chasing them. They chased them to the end of the desert as far as they could go because they hit an overwhelming obstacle, the Red Sea. They were at a place of impossibility. It appeared their journey was over, that they were defeated. For many, their faith had grown in the desert, but for just as many, they'd lost their faith in the desert because times got hard. Many were failing God who wasn't failing them. They felt they had, they had failed them. They felt he had failed them. When they come to this gigantic obstacle, they were closed in. They had Pharaoh's army on one side, the Red Sea on the other side. Even Moses' face was being tested like never before. But Moses, by faith, he prays to God, and God answers, and he parts the Red Sea at the nick of time. He may not be there when you want it, but he will be there right on time, church. Hallelujah. See, the Israelites passed through the parted waters by walking on dry ground and headed to the other side. But here's the takeaway. When they went through the desert, through the wilderness, some with no faith, some with little faith, some with much faith, some with great faith, when they, when they had survived the trial, when they got to the other side, God closed up the Red Sea on their enemy, never to be in Pharaoh's bondage again. But here's what I like. The Bible says in verse 20, <laughs> then Miriam, the prophetess of the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel, the tambourine her hand, and all, say all, and all the women, say women, went out after her with timbrels and dances. Ha. The dichotomy of this is women dancing in the desert. Now, I'm not trying to exclude any men here, but in this instance, it says specifically, as we read it, all the women, not some, but all the women, to even think that Miriam brought her tambourine to the desert speaks of something about her in herself. <laughs> As to say, she was prepared to worship at any given moment, in any given situation. 
She carried it as to say, you never know when you might need it. I've been thinking, it's one thing to carry it to church, but it's another thing to carry your tambourine to the desert. See, I see dancing in the desert as an oxymoron. They just don't seem to go together. I can see by the verification of this text, though, that women play significant roles in the kingdom of God, such as is in the role of prayer. Women are driven by such passion in their efforts to get a hold of God. How many times have you heard grown men say, if it hadn't been for my mama's prayers, or say, I, I had a praying grandmother. I tried to do wrong, but every time I came home, I couldn't sleep for hearing mama calling my name out to the Lord. The spiritual significance to a woman's welling. I hope I can encourage the faith of our women today to remind you how important you are to the kingdom of God. In their role of worship, so important that Jesus sat by a well waiting on a Samaritan woman to show up to teach her about worship because he knew her worship would affect a whole city. Because he knew when women learn how to worship, yokes are broken, bondages are destroyed, generation curses are released off your children. It's a unique role that women play. And it's so easy to read past the significance of this moment. If you just didn't stop and consider the landscape, nor the atmosphere in which these women were dancing in the desert after going through the greatest trial testing of their faith. Consider the heat, how hot it must have been. It wasn't a place of air conditioning, carpeted floors, and padded views. No, it was sand that had been heated by the sun, where perhaps even contained thorns or thistles. Yet they grabbed their tambourines, and all the women danced, regardless of the environment they were in. And nowadays, if we don't have the temperature just right, a five-piece band, a high-dollar sound system, bright lights, and sing the right songs, we refuse to worship. Yeah, but Randy, they had a reason to worship, and we don't. Has God ever done anything for you? Has he ever came through for you? And when he did, what was your response? Did you say, thank you? Or did you get your tambourine out, and did you start worshiping and praising God and giving him all the praise that you could for what he brought you through, how he brought you over, how he brought you under, and how he brought you through everything you've been through in your life? You have to learn how to praise God in the desert times. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet and give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shake your tambourine. Hallelujah. Man, woman, or child, he deserves to be praised. Hallelujah. It's time for the church to make some noise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our faith's being tested greater than it ever has been before. And sometimes you are the one who holds the key to the service. Musicians, if you'll come. Miriam got things started. Miriam was going to praise God whether anyone else did at all. She came prepared. You got to keep your dance, no matter what the conditions are around you, even in the deserts, in your dry times, even when the enemy's pursuing you, even when you don't feel like it. We got to learn to worship in our deserts again. To show God we trust by faith. That in whatever condition that we find ourselves in, we don't stop dancing in the desert. 
when you're parched and you're searching high and low for water, don't stop dancing. When you're barely making ends meet, don't stop dancing. When your landscape is bleak, don't stop dancing. Don't stop worshiping the God who's going to see you through. The more you praise God in the dry places, the more he's going to work for you. He'll give you shade to rest under. He'll give you water from a bottomless well to drink from. <laughs> He'll move you into a place of provision, and it all starts with faith that leads to praise. Stand to your feet, if you would, please. So the next time you're feeling depressed, you're going through the trial and the test of your life, I just want this to stick in your mind to remind you, grab your tambourine and begin to praise your God in the midst of your storm, and the storm walker will show up and show himself strong on your behalf. And when you pass the test by faith, God says, I swear I'm going to bless you. We have got to get to where we have faith and worship to pass through our trials. You have to have faith to worship in your deserts to pass the test. The way I want to close this thing out today, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Woo! Come on. There's a rattling going on in the church. The church is finally going to make some noise. We're finally going to worship anyhow. No matter what comes our way, no matter what comes against us, we know that a God, we serve a God that's for us. Hallelujah. Okay, what well, I want you to do, and the way we're going to close this service out, I'm going to turn these guys loose to worship. And you guys go ahead and let's worship ourselves out of this service today. If God's ever done anything for you right now, it's a time to worship him. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Go ahead, Skyler.